0: This is Unbeaten. Thanks for tuning in. Great to have you listening. Live from Amherst, Massachusetts, in the basement of the Murray D. Lincoln Campus Center, broadcasting on WMUA 91.1 FM and online streaming. It's Thursday, January 25th, our first show. We have a great topic today, so let's get things started. Hello and welcome into Unbeaten. This is a new show here on WMUA, ninety one point one. We're gonna be here every Thursday from eleven to eleven thirty. Uh, we have Joey Ice with us today. How's it going? It's kind of like a like a role reversal now. You're coming on my show, and I was coming on yours last semester.
1: So I know. I feel like you're my protege, and I've seen you grow <laughs> up and. Now you got your own show. Yeah. Now I don't, but that's okay. we got the nice trade-off. Um, yeah. Before we get
0: started, I think I'll just break down real quick the structure of how the show will work. Um, we, I plan on spending the first half picking something relevant in the sports world, and we'll just sort of dive deep into that and break it down, uh, talk about that for a little while. We'll go to commercial break and then come back and sort of recap preview analyze some umass sports here on campus kind of like a whip around thing uh we'll do that for as many sports as we can uh if we still have time left we'll just talk about whatever um sound good that sounds great to me awesome um oh and also maybe just some like future goals for the show uh maybe get some interviews in here if it's possible to Maybe we'll arrange, like, a student-athlete to come in for an interview. I think that would be really cool. Um, Also, we're going to try to involve social media. We have our first poll today, too, that we'll uh, get into. But uh, that comes with the story, which we can start right now. Um, With that being said, I think today we will be talking about referees and officials and primarily how much people... (laughs) And the players are complaining about it as of late. What do you think, Joey?
1: Uh, I think that's always been an issue. I mean, now with especially the added of uh, social media, also reviews now, especially being in part of the NFL and rule changes as well. I think that all factors into it. But I think there's always been some sort of pressure with the refs. Everybody just heckles the refs, regardless of what decision they make. I mean, sometimes they get put in really tough situations where it's a 50-50 call. Even if you look at... Uh, Last week, the AFC Championship game with the uh, um, Jags, Jags and Pats. Remember Deion Lewis's uh, fumble?
0: Yeah, right yeah, there? yeah, Like that was yep. kind
1: of a fifty-fifty call. It was kind of tough to see, but with the review there, you could see that the ball got lodged out. It was kind of loose. Dion Lewis didn't really gain po- fully possession, but he kind of had it right on his mm-hmm. hip, and then it fully like came out. So they ruled that a fumble because there wasn't enough conclusive evidence. So it's stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like I mean, I'm sure like if it went the other way, the Jags would say that the the refs are. Uh, rigged towards the Pats, which they've been saying right. recently, with all these controversial calls coming up. Like it seems like every single week against the Pats, but it's been going on for a long time. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that the problem
0: is uh, there was a headline in a Jacksonville newspaper uh, this week that read Jaguars fans call foul on AFC Championship game. Um, the story essentially references the unfair share of penalties in the AFC Championship game. The Jaguars got called for a total of six penalties. 98 total uh, penalty yards where the Patriots only got called for one, which was a total of 10 penalty yards.
1: What do you think? I mean, that just comes down to just better coaching and better execution. Mm -hmm. I mean, like nine times out of 10, the Patriots always have the least amount of penalties when they go into the game, and that comes down to Bill Belichick and the coaching and preparedness. I just think the Jaguars got a little too in over their heads in the game, and kind of causing the game especially like the um hit on Gronk who was that again Barry Church mm-hmm. his hit on Gronk um that definitely showed a little like they're a little like mental they weren't as mental tough meant mentally tough as the Patriots mm-hmm. and
0: you know what you can come up with whatever conspiracy theories you want the penalties in the game come down to like you said coaching but even I I think discipline it comes down to player discipline um and you, which is
1: begins with coaching as right, well, too. Right, exactly. It kind of drops down from that. And you look at uh, the
0: pictures and the videos. I know there was, uh, like a, I think it was a video of the head referee. He kind of went over and congratulated Brady after the game, which probably doesn't look good to Jaguars fans, but at the end of the day, that's just a hardworking professional, I think, congratulating the greatest of all time for making the Super Bowl at age 40.
1: Yeah, and plus Tom, you see Tom Brady like when they call a foul or anything, he's always in it with the referees. He always knows, so he kind of keeps a good relationship with the referees, and they know that, like mm-hmm. you said, like he's the greatest of all time, and they're just congratulating him on another tremendous win.
0: Right, and, and in the same article, it was it was explaining that um, these, you know, obviously these refs work with uh, all the teams, and some of these refs were even. Incredibly friendly with the Jaguars players. The uh, I think it was the back the back judge or whatever was seen talking to multiple Jaguars players throughout the game. Uh, but obviously, you know, that doesn't get shown just because of the nature of the loss. It was so heartbreaking, I assume, for Jaguars fans. They got upset and blamed the refs, which I guess is inexcusable, cause, which brings me into my point. My next point, my major point, is that um, you can't blame the refs because this is something that has escalated, I think, over time. And I think it's getting worse. People are blaming the refs more and more. I don't know what your take on this is.
1: but I mean, I think blaming the refs is sort of a, a losing mentality. I mean, even Patriots fans themselves, even people of like us who root for the Patriots or whatever, when we get caught in a loss uh we usually tend to blame the refs. It's kind of what everybody does when they lose and it's like a sour loss they kind of tend to uh p- point it out to them, point it to them instead of their own like play as like a fan. And yeah, I mean, I think it's it's been a problem for a long time. I mean, ever since sports have been around everybody criticized the ref including the coaches, players, fans, mm-hmm. whoever's there. I mean, they're always put in tough positions, so it's just now with the the onset of reviews, the extra reviews. That's kind of over analyzing everything, mm-hmm. as well as like social media. I mean, now like you, everything gets trending. Like you just scroll up there and you'd be like, "Oh, was that a catch? Was that not a catch? Like that was with the whole Jesse James with the Jesse James against the Patriots in what was it, Week Fifteen? Yeah, it was. Yeah,
0: something like that. Um, yeah, certainly a bold statement considering fans from the dawn of time have. Uh, sort of blamed officials. But now I think things I, things are being turned up a notch, I've noticed in multiple sports. Um, and I, it needs to stop or else it's going to get worse because you look at um, in the NBA, for example, uh, Draymond Green recently said that uh, the NBA needs to clean, rehire all new officials because he thinks they're getting too petty. And I know this is something other players actually agree on. They think that um referees are calling too many fouls for personal reasons. Um, in this is specifically in the NBA now. So
1: Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, I think NBA NBA refs overall are probably one of the, the worst refs, if we're being honest here. I mean they kinda tend to play with the crowd. They play to like mm-hmm. big figures like LeBron, KD. Steph Curry, they kinda let them do whatever they want to do. Any of the stars. And then if you're a right. rookie, you get caught in like these bad situations where they're calling a bunch of fouls on you, these ticky tack fouls. They're doing a bunch of makeup calls as well mm-hmm. on the other side of the floor. <laughs> so they it's, it's it's hard it's a hard game to yeah. ref, I know that that's for sure. I mean, I used to coach like rec basketball and I used to be friends with a lot of the like the refs. And I know it's a tough, tough thing to do. I mean, I I used to get in arguments in the moment, but it's kinda hard because they have to see they have to look after like 10 different things at the same time yeah
0: i think the nature of calling a foul in basketball is just to me i've never really understood it i know um it's all about uh getting in somebody else's space um i'm not too familiar with it. i never really understand the nature of calling so many fouls
1: in a game um it's just the way the sports kind of evolved yeah um other than that too, I forget what I was just gonna say. I, I had a thought, but it just slipped through my mind. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, going back to the, um, going back to the what Draymond Green said and the the petty calls in the NBA. I think that if a player's that concerned with official with an official being unfair, um, then take it up with the league. I don't think you have to blow it up on social media, or not even social media necessarily, but you know, saying that to the media because. Now it sort of creates this rift and you know, I feel like it's, it's, it's escalating things at this point and the perception in the fans' eyes don't need to be, this doesn't need to be worsened. So,
1: Another thing NBA refs should be calling more is definitely travels. I mean, you see players all the time now when they go up to the rim for a sick like windmill dunk or whatever, you see them take three or four steps considering how back in the day that used to be a travel but now they're kind of going into the more glitz and glamour NBA. Mm-hmm. That's what's kind of involved, which is more superstar oriented. I and mean, it's kind of nice now though cuz you don't know what's going to happen to Cleveland next year as well as Golden State if one of them's going to leave. It's kind of the the end of all those like big 3 super teams. I mean, there are people that join link up together, but that's mm-hmm. more now just like one or two like studs. Everybody's kind of dispersed. And the Eastern Conference, I know the Eastern Conference gets a bad rep for it just being like the Cleveland Cavaliers for a while, and then now it's like the Celtics coming up. And it was the Miami Heat when LeBron was on the Miami Heat. But uh, now it's kind of now it's starting to even out with the young teams like Milwaukee with Giannis. 76ers are on the rise. Boston, obviously, is going to be, a, once Cleveland's gone, they're going to be probably the number one team in the East. Washington as well. So it's kind of evening out now. But, yeah, going back to the referees, I mean, basketball is a – a tough, tough sport to ref. I mean, I think they do get criticized fairly a lot of the time, but at the same time, a lot, of, a lot of times they're just put in tough situations. Mm-hmm.
0: And we actually, so we put out a poll on the Twitter page. If you want to follow us, we are at Unbeaten Show. That is at U N B E A T O N Show. So you can follow us there. Our first poll. Was our referees slash officials being blamed too often? Uh, The two options were yes, more than usual, or no, same as always. Uh, We had a whopping 11 votes. The uh, answer was the the majority, 73%, said yes, more than usual. 27% said no, same as always. I don't know. What, what what did you vote here, Joey?
1: Uh, I said no for this. I'm, I'm leaning towards no. I mean, I'm not a solid for either or, but like I said in the beginning of my argument, I mean, this has been going on for a long time, ever since the dawn of sports. And like I keep saying, referees, regardless of the sport, they're put in tough positions. I mean, some sports may have better referees or better, better officials and ways of doing things, but mm-hmm. overall it's been around for a while. It's just the onset of reviews now even in baseball as well they're reviewing a lot of these close like plays at home plate or whether it's a catch or not in the outfield so everything's turned in review as well as in hockey if it passed the goal line and by the way i think uh hockey hockey referees definitely overall are probably the best refs they usually get it right most of the time and i put i put nfl even though they get criticized a lot lately they do a good job sticking to the rule book
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i would say um Going back to I know you kind of touched upon pace of game there. I think that the the video replay has brought a lot to sports. Obviously it's so important in baseball where you would see like in the past they might have missed that they missed a perfect game call with Armando Galaraga, whereas if they had replay at the time, they could have saved his perfect <clears throat> game. So I think that replay's done a lot there, but I think it's also sort of detrimental because not only is it slowing the pace Of game down but I think it's it's over analyzing it and I think the the fans get a little too much into it I don't know how to really explain it but I would say that when the fans like see the play on the Jumbotron it's almost like they know exactly what they think it is and then it creates like a you versus the ref kind of thing and or you versus somebody else as well it's it's hard to explain but Essentially, I don't think instant replay is the best thing for.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it causes like like you said, a lot of overanalyzing. but also has a. Lot, I mean, it usually like it makes the right call nine times out of ten, unless it's not conclusive enough. So, I mean, it is making the right call considering that the NFL for like the fifty years before it's been founded, or however long the NFL has been going for they've never had like the replay it'd be interesting to see what games would be decided differently if they had mm. replay back then
0: i think the one thing that i'm i think the thing that i'm trying to get at is like say in the in college football if they call a targeting penalty they automatically have it's an automatic review i think that's what's so detrimental to the game because you call a foul then you have to stop the game there's maybe there could be up to two targeting calls in any college football game now i feel like it happens so often
1: yeah, even at UMass games, they were mm. calling targeting a lot. And also um, in the NFL, too, like all the scoring has to be reviewed, mm. even if it's clearly crossed the plane or it doesn't take that long to even notice it. And another thing, too, um, now I'm switching to another sport, but the NBA, you know how they have the replay center that's right. in like right. New Jersey? They don't, It's not even the refs that are making the decision. I they know. send it out to a whole other place. I know right. it's nice to have a second set of eyes, but mm. why can't they do that? Same right thing there? in baseball.
0: Same thing in baseball. Oh, same thing in baseball yep. as well, they yeah. Same as New York. All right. Oh, Uh, sorry, I was interrupting you. No, it's okay. You can finish, actually.
1: But, like, in the NFL, I mean, they're right there. They got the Microsoft Surface. They go right into the booth. It's the referee making the choice. I think it should come down to that. I mean, it speeds up the process a little bit. At the same time, I think they should get rid of uh, all scoring being reviewed, unless it really has to. But Mm. that's usually when somebody's up in the booth and they tell, like, they microphone into, like, the referee or some whatever on the sideline. Yeah,
0: basically it's just been – it's just been – Overused, essentially instant replay. Um, and with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back after this. WMUA is the exclusive home for UMass Minute Women Basketball. Down, in the corner, trying to drive inside the paint, pulls up for two, hits it. Check umassathletics.com for a full schedule. Minute Women Basketball on WMUA is supported by Collective Copies in Amherst and Florence and online 24-7 at collectivecopies.com. For the win! She banks it in! That was incredible! And we are back for the second half of the show. I think we're going to do a little uh, recap, preview, and analysis of uh, UMass, some UMass sports. We'll start off with basketball first, University of Massachusetts basketball team uh just recently played uh in a game at the mullen Center that was I believe it was Marcus Camby night and they got
1: blown out. <laughs> yeah, it was the first 3000 fans receive an authentic Marcus Camby rookie card. Yeah.
0: Oh, rookie card? Okay, yeah. yeah. I saw they, they were handing out shirts, too. They were look, they looked pretty yeah. cool. Yeah,
1: I mean, they did it on the day that nobody's back at school, like the day before move-in day, so that was kind of a weird, yeah, weird timing know. for that.
0: It was unfortunate. I wish I could have been there because I definitely would have gone, uh, gotten a T-shirt, and unfortunately I would have seen the team get blown out. Rashawn Holloway uh, did not play. I saw later on Twitter that he's been ruled out um, – academically ineligible
1: and yeah I saw that it's been it's been a problem like the last like three or four games I remember I watched Mm -hmm. the Dayton game live at home back in overbreak, and I saw that they didn't bring Rashawn Holloway and there was one other person that uh coach McCall didn't bring to the trip but they won anyways that was a big statement win along with the Providence win earlier as well as Georgia we beat so Mm -hmm. Providence Dayton and Georgia are two are three big UMass wins I mean right now we're pretty much 500 so it's kind of, that's kind of how the A10's been this year there's been no clear cut favorite besides Rhode Island which UMass got blown out 51 to uh, 73 last uh, what was it right. Wednesday last week
0: there's been there's been a lot of jokes sort of like on Twitter essentially saying like I wouldn't be surprised if the A10 all finished with a 500 record because they're all just they're all beating each other in weird ways like, there's a bunch of upsets and no clear-cut uh, favorite, I guess. I know URI is usually the powerhouse team as of late. But. Yeah,
1: I mean, the other powerhouse teams, like previously, like Dayton, VCU, they're mm-hmm. still in the rebuilding phase. I know Dayton's got a new head coach. They got uh, Giannis's, um younger brother. Can't even think of his name, but one of the Antetokounmpo Antic- oh, wow. brothers. Yeah, he's pretty raw, but they got him. Uh, they got a new coach because they used to have Archie Miller when they made that Elite 8 run. And, yeah, so, like, looking forward, you got at Fordham uh, this upcoming Saturday, which should be a good game. I know Fordham's near the bottom of the pack in the A-10, but then going after that, you got two crucial home games versus URI January 30th, which is a Tuesday night. That's going to be a big game considering we lost to Rhode Island the first time around, and Rhode Island is number one in the A-10 as of right now. And then February 3rd, the Saturday before the Super Bowl, it's home versus Dayton, which I'll be going with my buddy, who's a big uh, Dayton basketball fan. So we're going to be watching that game. Fun. So it should be a really good game. It's kind of a rivalry. Right, both teams are right around 10-11, 11-10. So should be fun.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and certainly, certainly a huge loss with Holloway. He was averaging 9.9 points and 4.9 rebounds per game. Obviously, they're going to miss him more
1: on the rebound side of the uh, his that's his specialty as well as post scoring as well. I mm. mean, you you watch some of the games that he does, and he just, literally just whips his arm around and just like overpowers it I know, yeah, just due to his just size.
0: Especially, I remember being at the Providence game and just seeing him go to work doing that sort of
1: stuff all game long. Yeah, uh, I didn't see the Providence game. I was uh, I was engineering the Providence game, so no I was just here. I was hearing it, but yeah, I know yeah, that he cert- had a really good game. That, certainly, his specialty. That time. Um,
0: Luan Pipkins has been having fantastic season he's only a junior as well same with carl pierre Uh, or is he a sophomore i I can't keep track of all the i know i know but uh at least uh we know that carl pierre and um lawan pipkins i believe both both
1: guards right yeah carl Um, pierre is a freshman though i know that he came out of boston he's Pretty much a walk on. He was overlooked by a lot of schools. I know.
0: I know he had no D one offers. No D one offers. So.
1: Yeah. So I think he pretty much just walked onto the team. Considering a lot of people jumped ship, jumped ship after uh, Derek Kellogg left to uh, LIU Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Speaking of uh, going back to Holloway being uh, now out for the rest of the season, look for Malik Hines and Chris Baldwin. To step up. Malik Hines is a junior, sophomore is, uh, Chris Baldwin is a sophomore, excuse me. Um, those two guys are going to have to have a more increased role now that uh, their big man, Rashawn Holloway, is no longer going to be playing.
1: I really like uh, Malik Hines. He's the nice, like, stretch four. And if you're going small, he can do the five position. He's got, like, almost a seven foot wingspan. He's really athletic. He gets after it on the rebounds. He's definitely more athletic than Rashawn Holloway, obviously, not quite as big. He's not as polished offensively, but he still gets the job done. Chris Baldwin, I know he's got a lot of upside, but I'm not truly convinced on his play. Every time I've seen him, he kind of throws up a lot a lot of threes where I wish I would just see him more down, like just running the baseline or mm-hmm. up at the high post or something. Mm. Um, but that's that's the way the game's gone in all stages, all levels.
0: Certainly, certainly. And um, sort of transitioning to... I guess maybe we can transition to UMass Hockey now. Um, They just came off of, or not just came off of, but when uh, we, the students, had a winter break, the team went uh, a while without playing a game. They've since played, I think, after their break, they've played maybe like three or four games now. Um, UMass Hockey currently is 11-11-1. They just... uh, lost to Northeastern for the first. They were at home for the first time since December 1st. So they had a, they were on the road for a while. They got blown out, unfortunately, at Northeastern. Um, there was a point after the break where the Minutemen were without their star defenseman, Macar. McCarr. Um, he was participating in the World Juniors at the time, representing Team Canada, who went on to win it? I believe. So. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I, he came back. I believe the first northeastern game, northeastern game, the home game, which they won three nothing. He scored in that, so he definitely makes a difference. I know when they were away from home over the break, it was quite ugly. Oh right,
0: excuse me. They they won at home and then they lost. Yeah. In northeastern.
1: Yeah, it's, it was three nothing, and then they got shut out in northeastern five mm-hmm. nothing. Uh, so. That's kind of funny. And Northeastern's like the number 8 team in the country. I mean, it's hockey it's hockey east hockey, so you're in like one mm-hmm. of the best conferences or the best conference in college hockey. So right. it's kind of tough to uh get up on people when you're facing teams like Union, UMass Lowell, Northeastern, Boston mm-hmm. College, all these great schools. BU, I know BU's not ranked. He's they're kind of having a more of an off year, but it's still, it's still a very tough conference to be in. Right,
0: and Union's not even in Hockey East, but we play them, I
1: think, twice this season. We faced them three. I think it's three. One, two. No, it's twice. Never mind. It's
0: twice, but we did win both games, which is impressive because yeah. they're number 19 in the country right now, at least. Um, not only do you have to play such competitive teams in Hockey East, but you like to see that they're scheduling...
1: Uh very oh, Also PC as well. We split with PC who's ranked number seven. Right, right. So or eight and seven. It's
0: good to see them picking up big wins. Um they've won eleven games, like we said, on the season compared to last already compared to last year's five games, which they won,
1: which is an incredible improvement. It seems like it's kind of hit or miss this season. Also, like they did a home and away against UConn. They split mm-hmm. that as well. So a lot of the home and aways the they split. So like they won the first game at home four and two and then they were, they lost 8 to 2 in Hartford. Uh, I'm I'm interested to see their home Oh, their home record 6 and 3. So they're a lot mm-hmm. better at the Mullen Center than they are away. Away they're 5-8 and 1. So
0: I think the only series they've lost so far, like outright lost was when Ohio State came mm-hmm. to town for two games. Um that was the only series they lost, so that's impressive. They've been splitting a lot of they series. They split Arizona
1: State as well. Right.
0: 5-7-1 um, like in the conference, so swept, that's like middle of the pack. Swept Quinnipiac, um, tied Vermont, and then won the next game. So, pretty good stuff. Obviously, still a young team as long as they can keep the core uh, together. Yeah, they got Ferraro,
1: Chow, right. as well as Makar.
0: Um, I know... I know uh, John. John Leonard was
1: Leonard as a, well. He a very was,
0: big force at the beginning of the season, uh, led the team in goals. Was very like,
1: surprising too with the, the other rookie class that right. we have. The two like NHL that prospects he was, that he was a
0: standout. Um, yeah. certainly at one point. So, still a young team. Uh, it's great to see them already having such uh, good flashes of success.
1: So, and they're going to be here for at least one or two more years, or like a couple of years.
0: This is just getting to be you know an exciting time to be a UMass hockey fan because and
1: all UMass sports like we were just talking about UMass right. basketball, you got the new fresh young coach along with quite a few underclassmen as well as true freshmen that are contributing now. Mm-hmm. I know there are only 500 this year and that's that's a lot considering that they start off the season right uh, what was it like 13 out of the 14 schools in the A10 that was the preseason poll and now they're gonna finish middle of the pack if not better. They'll be lucky if they get an NIT run this year. Mm-hmm. But next year, you definitely got to look for UMass basketball to get in the NIT. Next year for UMass hockey, you definitely got to look for them making the the big tournament, I think. Definitely they can make the jump. And mm-hmm. then also UMass women's basketball is also on the rise. They're about 500 as well. So all teams are all, all 500. Right. And
0: speaking of uh, women's basketball, you had Bree Hampton Bay named uh, Atlantic 10 Rookie of the Week, I believe. Um, she's averaging 19 points nine rebounds um, over the last two contests. So some really good stuff there, obviously.
1: Uh, And the game that I did, I know it's a while ago now. It was on uh, New Year's, New Year's Eve. And uh, Maggie Mulligan, she was now – she had 22 rebounds in the game, 14 points. It was a huge game. She is uh, fourth all-time in the record books for most rebounds in a game. So she got her name on the record book, and she's a senior. But she's she's definitely going to be missed next year. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they got – People to uh, fill in the role there at the center position, but yeah, all all UMass winter sports, especially, are on the rise, especially football and football as well. I mean, football definitely had the potential to do a lot better than they were this year, considering that they finished the season on a four and six run after starting zero and six. And Andrew Ford staying, Andy Isabella staying, Brighton Barr staying, their big uh, linebacker stud on mm-hmm. defense,
0: and obviously uh, missing
1: Adam Brenneman now gone. He's just a safety valve. He's such a, he's such a good tight end, but it's, I think they'll be able to replace it. I mean, another year with Andrew Ford, another year with Andy Isabella, who's right. kind of the home run target. I think UMass football will be fine considering their schedule. I know they're facing Georgia. They're at Georgia. That's one of their big games at the end of the year. And Georgia's already being predicted as another top five team mm-hmm. next year since they're retaining most of their guys after being the national right. championship. I'm, I'm excited to see
0: I think, in my opinion, uh, Adam Brenneman's at least a top 10. Could even be a top 5 tight end recruit um, going into the NFL
1: draft. He's, I think he's top 5. I know in the beginning of uh, this last fall, mm-hmm. he was predicted as in some like mock drafts and stuff like that as the number 1 tight end going off the board. Yeah, I don't know I mean, if it's, he's, he's got quite that potential, but he, I could see him in the first 3 rounds going. He's got a big
0: frame. Um, he's six. I think. I, I don't know for sure. I think sure. 6465 six, and like 250
1: which is he's, like he's, a solid good tight end he's size. He's up there. Um
0: and he's very he's very athletic. So it'll and be He ex- didn't
1: drop any balls that were thrown to him too. Right. That's the one big interesting stat. He had a lot of receptions for a tight end, like the most receptions.
0: Very exciting stuff. That's about all the time we have today. Thank you for uh listening in. Thank you Joey for
1: joining me. Yeah, it was, it was a pleasure. Uh, I'll be on hopefully I'll be around as well. So Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Congratulations on your show. Yeah,
0: thank you. Thanks, guys, for listening. This is Unbeaten.